Hello and welcome back. It's season two of the Suffolk Pod Show. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the show for free through your favourite podcast directory or from our website. You can have all the talent, all the understanding, balance in the side, playing style, and our team's got the lot. But when it gets tough, what gets you through is character, resilience, team spirit and working hard for each other. Suffolk Podshow is produced and managed by podtalk.co.uk. I'm Mark Mason. And I'm Susanna Hornby. Episode 42. We're at the New Woolsey Theatre, talking to some of the leading cast members from the smash hit show Never Lost at Home. They are Sarah Whittock, who plays Sheila, Peter Peverly, who plays the legendary Bobby Robson, and Olivia Foster-Brown, who plays Ange. And we're also chatting with writer and director of the show, Pete Rowe. Congratulations, Pete. Absolutely amazing show. Completely flawed us. We saw it on Saturday. Could you tell us, everybody, all of our listeners, a little bit more about Never Lost at Home? Well, it's the follow-up to the show that we made about Ipswich Town winning the FA Cup, um, Our Blue Heaven, Mm -hmm. um, three years ago now. So Mm -hmm. um, that was incredibly successful and at the time, people said, you've got to do another one, you've got to do another <laughs> one. And uh, and obviously, the UEFA Cup win was the next big milestone in the club's history. Mm. Um, so we knew we'd, we'd have to wait three years. But um, I think it's the perfect show for people to come back to the theatre with. Um, you know, we've obviously been closed for quite a long time mm. due to COVID and we're reopening and getting back to full health and strength now. And to to have a show that's kind of celebrating that big moment in the town's history and the club's history mm. seems like the perfect choice to get people back into a theatre and celebrating an event like that again. Yeah, no, and they are coming back and, and it's wonderful to see. And actually, Never Lost at Home isn't something that you dreamt up in your mind. These are real stories about real people. Yes. I mean, like our Blue Heaven, it started with a call out from the supporters club mm-hmm. to fans, uh, to anybody. I mean, we, we um, made the call out on the on the radio and through the press as well to people who had been part of that journey. Mm. In particular, this this time with fans who were trying to follow the team around Europe, which was quite a tough ask in those days. And mm. there were some extraordinary stories of the lengths people had gone to to get to the away games in Europe and the kind of adventures and scrapes that they'd had <laughs> um, on those journeys. <laughs> so that's the, that was the uh, the substance of the show. And I've woven those snippets and stories into the story of our kind of fictitious extended family who between them are trying to cover every away game in that season. Because <laughs> um, town was obviously chasing all three. They were chasing the FA Cup and the, and the league title and the UEFA Cup. Mm. Um, and there was a lot of hope at the beginning of the season that they would do the treble. And gradually the other two dropped away and the UEFA Cup was the only one that was left. And it was absolutely crucial that <laughs> they ended what was a fantastic season <laughs> with a trophy. Mm. So it became all about the UEFA Cup in the end. <laughs> And it, it certainly has a happy ending, which you kind of know when you're going into, but it, you know, you've just got that thing to look forward to. It's just, it, it, the whole thing is, is, is joyous. That era, Pete, what an extraordinary time in history. And I've met so many people who've actually seen the show already just to say how well you conjure up that time. It wasn't easy, was it? No, it wasn't. And we did, we had a, um, a local researcher, Caleb Haugago, who did some research about Ipswich at that time in that in that season between 80 and uh, 81. Mm-hmm. And um, it was trying to get a sense both of what was happening locally and what was happening 
nationally mm-hmm. and internationally too. So that there were there are kind of brushes that the fans have with the the political situation in the countries that they visit, although they're brief. There's a sense of the the background um, internationally as well as nationally, and I think that's really important to the story that there's a context for it that mm. doesn't kind of happen in a social vacuum. Um, and I think that the that particularly that that time of you know the, the growing unemployment um, and the the deindustrialisation that was happening within this country at the time that's a big factor in the story too. Mm. And it comes across right through every single person. Uh, within that cast, within that family and extended friends, how how tough it was. But there was an, all, an incredible unity between them all. Yes, and I think that's what the in the show, in uh, the, the the theme of the show, in many ways, is loyalty, mm. loyalty to your club. Bobby Robson's loyalty to the to the chairman and to the club that um, supported him in the early years when he wasn't doing too well. Mm. The loyalty of the players to to their manager. Um, and that sense of loyalty to to your family, to your team, to your town is a central theme of the show. Mm. It's actually made me want to be a football fan, believe it or not. Anyway, so, <laughs> no, <laughs> moving on, it isn't a play as such, it's everything combined, but the music, the music is fantastic. How did you choose some of those tracks? I mean, there's an awful big library of that time, but they fitted so well. Yes, I mean, I went through the the the, the playlist of um, of nineteen um looking for tracks that would both evoke the period and also fit the story. Mm. Um, and some of them, some of them are very so. You know, there's a there's a very um, violent, aggressive game in Greece, um, and Eye of the Tiger felt like the the, the perfect track for that. <laughs> there's some very very cold games in Poland and Czechoslovakia. So I can't stand up for falling down. Was the, the the show on the on the, uh, the the song for the the game on the ice rink of a pitch and um <laughs> cold as ice for the other one that was in sub zero temperatures so some of them have have that kind of um hook to them and others are more about the mood and the the, the St Etienne game which was what well, was reckoned by many people I spoke to to be the best best uh, performance by an Ipswich side that they'd ever seen, the four one win in Saint Etienne, and we've used songs that kind of reflect that. So mm. something in the the air tonight at the beginning of the match, as this sense of anticipation grows, mm. and then can you feel it as the town kind of turn on their match winning style, mm. um, and then everybody wants to rule the world as uh, as a kind of <laughs> laid back celebration of just being on top of everything after that win uh, so a lot, a lot of the time it's um it's about the the mood of the fans and the team and the family as well mm, no and it, it all works so well together and of course on top of all of this this richness you've got this incredible styling of the filming of the football scenes in the commentary it was such an experience to watch live stream or in theater the whole thing comes together beautifully any show about football the problem is how do you how do you stage the football? Mm. Um, because controlling a ball on stage is an is you know is an impossibility really. Mm. Um, even if we had you know a third of the skill of those those footballers that we're representing, so we were, we we've decided to do it. We decided to do it in a very stylized way without a ball, mm. um, but kind of doing an interpretation of those big moments in matches and using a community company made up of our youth theatre and young company and some young dancers from Dance East mm. um, who we brought together for a week to to film the football sequences on a on a dark bare stage with side lighting so what they are is a kind of mix between um, 
football and stylized football dance, I would say. Mm. So I think they're, they're, they're faithful to the moments in the matches, but what's great is seeing those young people interpret them in their own way and actually seeing the expressions and the joy on their their faces mm. as they <laughs> score their their imaginary goals without a ball. It's sort of air football. <laughs> yeah, and you know what the weird thing is? I didn't even notice the ball wasn't there. It was so cleverly done. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what a show. And, and actually, you know, football and theatre, although you wouldn't necessarily put them in the, normally in the same sentence, they go together. Yeah. I mean, I think there, there's an awful lot of similarity between the two of them. Mm. You know, we, we, we found ourselves mixing up, you know, um, interval and half time and dressing room and changing room in in our talk around rehearsal and it is you know the Manchester United ground is called the theatre of dreams for you know for a reason mm. it is it, it is a, it is a stage on which people are performing surrounded by a big crowd um there's a drama to it i mean i think my love of football is is the same as my love of theatre and storytelling because every match is a story and you don't know what the ending's going to be. Mm. And it often involves narrative plots and twists and turns uh, along the way. So I think they have an awful lot in common. Mm. I think many, many football supporters think of theatre as being something that's not for them. They have a, a view of theatre that it's a little bit highbrow and highfalutin and not got the same kind of raw energy and directness that football matches ha- has. And I hope this... Um, this show will will prove the opposite, and I hope, I hope as it is already, get will get some football fans into the theatre and, and make them realise that theatre can be as exciting as a football match sometimes too. Yeah, we hope so too. And and conversely, funny enough, you don't actually need to know much about football to enjoy the show. No, I mean it, the, the the it follows the story of that campaign, but mm. it's largely about the fans and and their feeling about following the the, mm. the team. Um, and I hope there's a lot of humour in it as well. It's, um, it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of fun to be had along the way mm. in the, in those characters trying to get, to get themselves around Europe and to, um, to stay in touch with a team that's, um, that's being brilliant, but mm. struggling as it gets, as the fixtures pile up. As it, in, that's the irony that the more successful it was, the more games it had to play that team and, <laughs> and the more injuries there were and the harder it became. Mm. So that's part of the story too. <laughs> now, the show is still running now as we talk, obviously, and it runs right through to Saturday, the 9th of October, that on the evening, that's the final performance. Now, there's something special that happens at the end of every performance. Can you say? Would you like to say? Because I think it's amazing. Well, yes. I mean, this again was something that came from our Blue Heaven, where mm. we approached the, the the players of, of that um, FA Cup winning side and uh, asked if they would appear at the the end of the show, and they did. I mean, many of them still live around here. Many mm. of them have, you know, after their playing days, settled in Suffolk. Um, and the same thing has happened with this show. Um, Terry Butcher has organised a rota of um, players from that team, from that squad, to appear one each um, at the end of the performance. Mm. <laughs> so it's a little bit of a mystery guest. It's yeah. a little bit uh, you're not quite sure who you're going to get each night. <laughs> we know, but we're not letting we're not letting anybody else know. Um, and it, I, I'm very very grateful to them for <laughs> for for agreeing to it. It's a it's a fantastic little bit of um, icing on the cake. Uh, at the end of the uh, evening when uh, one of those heroes steps out on stage. Mm, It's wonderful and extremely emotional too. Um, You've worked really closely with Ipswich Town Football Club over this production. Yeah. 
Tell me, um, did they provide the shirts for the footballers in the sequences? Yes, they did. They provided the the shirts for those um, those young footballers um, to to do the filming, mm. um, and they've been very um, helpful and supportive throughout. Mm. And uh, you know, obviously, we're uh, help helping each other in terms of marketing the show. Mm. Um, and um, we've were the company were invited along to uh, a match. It was a, it was a perfect <laughs> time for us. It was the last. This is the Saturday before we moved into the theatre. Right. Um, so, so um, unfortunately, the town lost five two on that, on that afternoon. Oh, no. uh, but um, but uh, it was a great experience nonetheless, and, and great for the company to to feel what it's like being in a football stadium with a with a full crowd around them. Yeah, what an experience for them. All brings to the to the vibe that they deliver off the stage it's quite something thank you Pete I'm not going to keep you any longer I know you're about to rush off because another performance is about to start but thank you so much for joining us you're very welcome okay and welcome Sarah and you're back on stage with the new Woolsey I'm back (laughs) yes I'm back and it's what dreams are made of (laughs) oh that's so nice to say I know you were in Our Blue Heaven. Have you been on the stage of New Woolsey before doing that as well? No, uh, Our Blue Heaven was the first time, mm-hmm. although I have worked with Pete Rowe, mm-hmm. Pete Rowe, the artistic director before, um, doing Return to the Forbidden Planet um, <sighs> on tour right. many years ago. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I love, I just love working here. I really honestly do. Well, there's something very special about New Woolsey and I sure feel it every time I step into that building. It's, it's just wonderful. Absolutely yeah. wonderful. yeah. It's um, not only is it brilliant for diversity and inclusion um, and really values the community, but uh, it's a wonderful place to work. We get treated very, very fairly. Uh, Everyone is absolutely lovely. Honestly, I haven't, there isn't a single person here (laughs) that I don't get on with. (laughs) It's lovely. (laughs) That's, That's pretty rare, I'd imagine, too. It is. It is rare. But, you know, I just love working here. I can't say it enough. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can keep saying it if you like, but we'll let it rest out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. It would get boring if I never stopped. (laughs) Now, there is a difference, I'm assuming, between Our Blue Heaven and Never Lost a Home, apart from the obvious of um, different stories, different ending, different all sorts of things. But this is very much a live stream show as well. Has it made a difference for you on the stage? Yes. Um, it, if I'm completely honest, we're still doing what we just just what we do for the live show because mm. we've got the live audience in as well. In terms of, there's several cameras in, and I tell you what, if you live stream it, you'll get a better look at the band because the band are on a sort of balcony on the set with a gauze in front of them, and sometimes you can see through that gauze, and sometimes you can't because there's other bits of media playing on there. There's some cameras up inside the band, behind the gauze, where you can really see what the musicians are doing. I mean, we're all mm. musicians, mm. but we don't all play in this show. Mm. We sing, but, you know, um, so you can actually get a good close-up view of the musicians as well. Mm. No, you um, definitely can. Which is, is really nice. Mm. Mm. And watching you sing, Sarah. And watching me sing. I mean, yeah. what? could possibly be better (laughs) (laughs) right let's talk about Sheila Coombs because she is a pivotal character in that family 
on the stage yeah. and and um how beautifully you play her and how i don't know just watching you you feel just safe in your hands um not not Aww. just well not just because you're a great actress but because of because of also that how you portray Sheila and and what she stands for oh thank you so much <laughs> yes that's really really lovely um yeah she is she's a tower of strength Mm-hmm. Um, even though I'm I'm very tiny, <laughs> um, but she's a tower of strength. Um, she's very very warm hearted. She loves the football mainly because her family love it so much, mm. and she loves seeing her family happy. So mm. she's that she's that woman. She doesn't fully understand the finer details of football. And if you were to ask her about the offside rule, she wouldn't have the first clue. But <laughs> but. <laughs> She loves it. She loves the occasion. She, she, you know, she cares whether they win or lose. You know, she's in it with the family. Mm. As football does, it brings the family together and the community together. Mm. So she loves all that as well. Mm. And she has quite a task on her hands because you have, uh, well, two daughters, one who's who's pregnant and, 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 and the other one who's just yeah. a mad keen fan and quite hard to control at times. Yes, and fairly stroppy occasionally. <laughs> She's a teenager. <laughs> She's a teenager, yeah. I have two, te- two uh, boys around that age myself, so... Mm. Yes, yes, drawing on experience. Right, you do it very well. As well as that brilliant <laughs> Suffolk accent, and it's a hard one to get, but you <laughs> nail it. Oh. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Honestly, that is the best thing you could say to me because <laughs> I've been losing sleep over it. You know, it's such a difficult accent to get mm. if you're not from around here because it's you can't just put on, you know, you definitely don't want to just do a, a West Country accent because that's not right. There's a bit of open vowels like Australia and there's a bit of, mm. you know, it, it's a very finely tuned accent and it's been very, very difficult to get. Well, you do it well and you do it but subtly too, which is, you know, you're not um, you. overdoing it on words or anything. It just seems to to be in natural conversation it's great and you got specific training for this obviously yes the great charlie haylock who um worked on the dig the film Mm -hmm. the dig Mm -hmm. with rafe fines um clang (laughs) uh he uh (laughs) he uh he's an amazing character he's such a character and we've had some amazing stories from him and you actually it's great because he is such a Suffolk man Mm. and you really get the rhythm and musicality from him and and yeah he's a real character love him yeah I mean I think um yeah he well he's just well practiced and well loved and and I've heard a few of those stories but we haven't got time to go into them now but they are quite interesting (laughs) okay they really are (laughs) can we talk a bit about you Sarah outside of Never Lost at Home because you've had um your acting career goes back to the is it am I right the late 80s uh, not quite that far, or do, although it does feel like about 150 years. But, Sorry, Sarah, that's um, rude of me then. No. <laughs> no, 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 that's no, no, no problem at all. You know, I can barely remember myself. Um, so 93, <laughs> the end of 93, mm-hmm. I started professionally. Mm-hmm. Gosh, it shows how, how old I am. Um, I've done lots and lots of musical theatre and lots of actor-musician 
theatre. And mm. for anyone that doesn't really know what that is, it's the actors are also the instrumentalists. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it's been a little bit different with you know, with all the COVID and everything, there's lots, still lots of rules in place mm. um, to protect everybody, um, which means that quite a few of us aren't actually playing our instruments in the band. Mm. Uh, I think we're all singing at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I'd play, for instance, sax, piano, a bit of drums. Uh, I've just bought myself a trumpet. I'm learning to, starting to learn that. But... Um, <laughs> But I'm not playing any of those in this show, which is really strange. <laughs> <laughs> and I presume that's because you said of COVID, you can't just swap instruments around and get, and get into close spaces. Exactly. Mm. Exactly that. Yes. Mm. Um, it's nice in some ways because you can just concentrate on the character. Mm-hmm. And I've, you know, I've got several costume changes, et cetera, et cetera. So, I, you know, I don't have to worry about normally I'm used to coming off stage pegging it around the back to the side, picking up a saxophone, handing a microphone to someone else. You know, it's like a two and a half hour aerobics class <laughs> and twice on a Wednesday and a Saturday. So yes. Um, <laughs> but it's no, it's 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 just it's a lovely experience. Mm. It's great. I'm exhausted thinking about it, not even doing it. <laughs> and that, which actually, well, I, yeah, it's lovely. I did want to ask you, this show, for example, Never Lost at Home is running for 30 shows. Okay. Yes. So how on earth do you maintain mm-hmm. your strength throughout that and health? Well, I'm not sure how everyone else does it, but I have changed my diet. I don't know about anyone who might be listening to this, uh, to this podcast, but um, I ate very poorly during lockdown I started with really good intentions mm. uh, did loads of exercise I mean loads and loads of exercise mm. and ate, ate very healthily for about five months and then I just gave up uh. <laughs> because I'd done it too much and I was really bored mm. and I just ate cake and bad food and biscuits and you know comfort food mm. so I've had to change that for this I'm stuffing myself with the fruit and vegetables mm-hmm. Um, got some manuka honey in my dressing room for my throat, uh, and I've, I'm doing a lot of walking because, as I'm sure you know, the parking in Ipswich is not in abundance. No. So, <laughs> so um, I've, you know, found a little spot somewhere, and I leave that my car there all week. Do lots and lots of walking. Mm. So it's doing me a lot of good, actually. Yeah, and that and doing that healthy diet and all the walking it's just for your mental health it's yeah. it's amazing too well my mental health is always at its best when I'm actually doing a, a show because it, it's my passion and I love it I mm. really really love it so mm. I feel completely fulfilled when I'm doing a show um yeah and other than that we warm up our voices and our bodies before every show together on the stage and mm-hmm. um tune up our in- the instruments yeah it's it's a good regime. It's healthy living. <laughs> what, I've asked everyone this, uh, so I'm going to ask you too. What's your favourite moment of the show? Oh, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it when we're all on stage together. I love um, when Liv sings um, the Tina Turner song at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, simply the best. And... Um, yeah, because we're all on the stage together and we it's the first time that I get to really look out at the audience mm. and look at their faces. Mm-hmm. And some of them 
are th- regular theatre goers and some of them have never been to a theatre before but they're massive football fans and grown men I've seen grown men weeping and, <laughs> um, because, you know because of the football you know footballers that are involved and mm. because of the story and they might have been there at the time and they, you know it brings people's nostalgia flooding in mm. and so the response is so uplifting I can't tell you mm. um, I've never really seen anything quite like it in a regional theatre it you know it, it's heart and soul it, that's what I love I really love that <laughs> I don't think I can say anything after that, Sarah. You've put it beautifully and thank you so I can't. <laughs> thank you. I'm speechless. You've beaten me totally. <laughs> thank you so Aww. much for your time and for being on the show. Much good thank luck you. with the rest of the run. May it last for as long as thank you want you. it to. Because <laughs> you know Aww, I know. Thank you so much. I mean, it's it. a limited run, so, so people need to get their tickets. <laughs> Absolutely. You heard her right there. Thank you. Yep. I'll see yep. you soon. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. And welcome to Peter Peverly, who plays Bobby Robson in Never Lost at Home. Hello, Peter. Hello. You all right? Oh, very well. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, very well. Yeah, having a great time here in Ipswich, as usual. <laughs> Every time I come, I always have a good time. So, <laughs> so yeah, no, we're, we're, we're all there. Uh, just resting after the first weekend mm-hmm. uh, after after we've opened the show, but no, we're having a great time. There has been an incredible response so far to the the, the few productions that you've put out, uh, and really, uh, we've watched it too on Saturday afternoon. And just say we were transported to an era and to a time that was absolutely phenomenal. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the re- the re- response is great so far, and um, just hopefully, word of mouth will get round, mm-hmm. and you know, the fans and the theatre general theatre going public will come back to the theatre because that you know again that that's what that's what we want here at the Woolsey we want people to come back after the, mm. the horrid time we've all had mm. and uh, this is a perfect show to do that because it's about community it's about celebrating your local history or you know, through the football club and through a through a local icon so it's it's the perfect the perfect way to come mm. back out no it really is now Pete you weren't born in Suffolk I can tell no I wasn't you know you could have very far away but 300 miles away <laughs> but is it true 79 I think it is all right okay oh exactly you've measured it you've walked it yeah <laughs> the, well, um, driven driven it many times yeah I bet you have but you were born not so far away from where Bobby was born or lived not far but about 15 miles I was mm-hmm. uh, well I was born in Gateshead but I was brought I was brought up in Washington which was part of County Durham before mm-hmm. they changed all the boundaries and stuff like that. So, yeah, I guess I'm about 15 miles from Sacriston, where Bobby was born, and Langley Park, again, is very close to Sacriston. So, so yeah, very, very close, actually. But I come from the same sort of, the same family background. You know, my grandparents were pit, you know, worked down the pit, mm-hmm. uh, as, as many families did up there. So I have a, a good knowledge of that area. Mm-hmm. When I'm not working theatre, I play the worker men's clubs up there and I go to all these, these villages still. I still mm-hmm. go to, you know, I, I, there's a club in Sacristan where I play. So I'm still connected to all those communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're still there. So I have a good understanding of, uh, of, of the folk up there, you know. Yeah. And also, obviously, a perfect representation of Bobby's voice. Is it uncanny how well you do his accent? Yeah, I guess it's. I guess it's just because you know. I'm, again, I've got a head start because I'm from up there, and it's, mm. it's good casting from Pete, and I have the same 
sort of timbre of voice. Uh, so yeah, it's mm. just it it sort of all just goes together, you know. <laughs> so obviously, I listen I listen to him and I, I listen to his inflections and the way he stresses certain words, and, mm. Mm. and you just sort of just keep listening and working at it. And um, and yeah, it's pretty close. I mean, we're still working on it, you know. We still uh, still have to sort of. Uh, <laughs> Still have to sort of keep on top of it, but uh, but yeah, I have a good, I have a good. I'm, I'm sort of seventy percent of the way there with my own voice, really. So that's good. Well, it's amazing, and and I think also didn't wasn't there a time once I don't know whether it was this performance, this show, sorry, or our Blue Heaven when you you stepped onto the stage as Bobby Robson and you had some of Bobby's original peers sitting in the audience. Well, we did, yeah. I mean, the last the press night when we did our Blue Heaven, mm. we had we had them all in, but we had. We did a rehearsal for Our Blue Heaven when Mick Mills and Pat Godbold, who worked mm. with him a lot, Pat was his PA for many, many years, and, uh, and Mick Mills, and that was obviously was Bobby's captain in the team. So they came to a rehearsal about ten days before we opened the last time, mm-hmm. and that was very. That was the first time anyone who had actually knew, known Bobby saw what we, what I was doing with him, and um, that was very nerve wracking. But they were <laughs> they were very uh, they were very complimentary, yeah. and uh, and I sort of got the stamp of approval. So once I knew I was on the right lines, yeah. You just keep going with you just just keep going with it, and obviously, first night when you step in front of an audience for the first time in front of many people who loved them is, yeah. is nerve wracking. But yeah. very quickly, they 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 you, you know that they're, they're with you, yeah. and, and once that happens, you you just sort of you just let it fly and just sort of. Uh, but it's a shared thing, I think. Uh, theater, you know, working in any type of theater, but with this with this show, it's a shared. It's a shared love, you know, because mm. I've grown very fond of, of, of Bobby Robson as a, you mm. know, how I imagine him as a man, and uh, which I think is important if you're going to play someone. Mm. And uh, obviously the audience love him, so it's just a sort of two-way thing. It's just a sort of circle of love, you know what I mean? <laughs> well put. But, but, but for the team as well, for that team in those times, yeah, it's great just to see people being transported back to their youth as well. Yeah, I mean, we've had people, you know, who were like, I, they went to all the games when they were young men and women mm. and they're just they're, they're back there and it's very special to yeah. to be able to do that to people to take them back to a time in their lives it was joyous it's a it's great feeling <laughs> and you do it brilliantly now you know we're going to ask you oh no of course you know we're going to ask you to give us a couple of lines are you yes are you limbered <laughs> up are you going to give us a bit of bobby I think so yeah <laughs> As I was saying, I haven't let me script in front of you. When you do it cold, it's always a bit nervous. And I'll see if it, see how it comes out. There's a, there's a piece in there, there's a, there's a speech in the show. There was lots of speeches that he's G and the team up. But there's one in particular that sort of, uh, it, it, once the beat Aston Villa and they're in the home, they're in their away dressing room. Mm-hmm. And he says, um, you can have all the talent, all the understanding, balance on the side, playing style. And our team's got the lot. But when it gets tough, what gets you through is character resilience team spirit and working hard for each other oh lovely no it's brilliant uh, (laughs) it's just the word you know his vocabulary and his 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 sort of his ability to inspire Mm. it was was just phenomenal so it's great to it's great to do those speeches no it's wonderful and also actually doing it when you're performing on the stage you're you're talking almost to the front few rows as if as if they were your team it's it's really clever oh yeah Mm. That's been great. That, that's 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 sort of the fun part. I'm really mm. enjoying that. I mean, we've only done a few shows, but I think that developed through the run because, uh, yeah, that was a decision obviously Pete made that that we that we would use the audience as, mm. as the players and mm. uh, and yeah, it's going really well. Obviously, 
during rehearsals I've been doing to sort of stage managers and people that sit in the middle of the room. It's great to have an audience there now. Yeah. There's some people react in different ways and it, yeah. it's um so it's good for that yeah, that that's a really good element that that uh, that we've got this time, which we didn't really have last time. We did it in one speech last time. Right. But Pete's sort of pushed that idea now and it's working really well, I think. Uh, it's it's really effective. And we see a yeah. lot of you on the stage too throughout the performance, which is great. We do, yeah. More so than last time, as I say, which is sort of nice. We see him in we see him on the training ground and, and you know, on an aeroplane travelling yeah. back from a game. And he sort of interacts a bit more with, with the with the other characters. So I think I think this one, the last time he was more of a sort of figure that would come in and comment mm. on the action and, and sort of, prof, you know, give his prophecies about football, and all that, which was lovely. But this time he's sort of embedded more into the story, I think, because he's got scenes with Arnold Muren as well, mm. which again is a nice device to, to sort of, you know, the, how they changed their style mm. once those two Dutch players came in. So it, so that's that's been a nice challenge to make him a sort of a more of a real figure, mm. a sort of real person because we see and we see not his dark side, but we see him sort of we see him we see him worried about not winning anything that mm. year. So he, he does go through a little bit of a sort of journey on this as well. Mm. So that that's a nice challenge to play as well. So you just carry the audience right through, Pete. It's quite phenomenal the way you do it. And and I know we're talking about your voice and all the rest of it, but you the moves, the way you walk, the the way you use your hands, it it you know I I think I'm looking at Bobby Robson, so I you know well that's yeah that that's good because um I think it's the physicality really that sort of does it mm. know, because um I think I always think with these characters because I've done this before I've done this sort of work before I mm. have a character in the northeast that I do there's a comedian up there called Bobby Thompson mm -hmm. the little waist and he was a he was a club comedian and he was massive just in the northeast. Mm. And um, and I I tell I've got a one man show about him. I tell his I tell his he's a love life story. He's a one man show, and um, so I've studied him as well. He mm. he had this very very particular act that he used to do in the clubs. So again, I've studied that very very closely, and and that's really close to him as well. And I think with if you study if you get a, if you get these mannerisms off well enough, or well, I think what you have to if you can just tweak the audience's memory of these people mm. and they they do a lot of the work do you know what i mean you yeah. just have to take them back and just sort mm. of like present this figure in front of them mm. enough to just let them their imagination take them back which is very theatrical and i think um and i think i think that's what i aim that's what i aim to do it's not an impress i don't think of it as an impression of him I think of it as, as, you know, just a sort of theatrical representation, really. Mm. And, uh, and I really love doing that sort of, well, lots of, there's loads of great footage of him <laughs> yeah. from, from the Ipswich days. And he's got, you know, certain characteristics that he always does. He, he's, what's, what's a gift to it? Cause he's very demonstrative in his body. He's very physical. Yeah. In the way he moves and talks and expresses himself, mm. which is ideal to, to sort of, to look at, you know. Yeah. It is, like I said, just to you earlier it's uncanny it really is incredible now pete you're not just an actor not that that that's not enough but you're a musician yes yeah i'm a musician sort of a, and a musician. singer i've been a musician <laughs> and a singer yeah and you said and you you play yes. the clubs up north you're still doing that yeah i do yeah um it's so if, I, if i'm not working in the theater i uh we're lucky enough in the northeast to have a, a workmen's club scene, which obviously isn't as as big as it was, but it's big enough for you to earn a living as a singer. If you if you go, around. I mean, not so many bands these days, but singer, you, you know, you, you take your your backing tracks out and a couple of instruments, and mm -hmm. you 
And yeah, it's great. So I enjoy doing that. You know, it's all sort of 60s, 70s, 80s stuff, you mm-hmm. know, people that, things that people, mm-hmm. people re, re, again, remember. And, but what's really lovely about doing it is that I've got, you know, I can tell lots of stories about when I played Bobby Robson in Ipswich and, <laughs> and other things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. it becomes, it becomes a sort of a, a really lovely evening where I can tell them stories and talk about just different times in the Northeast and different sort of theatre jobs that I've had and, and uh, if the audience are interested enough, we can we can sort of go off on tangents and do that. But yeah, mm-hmm. but it's something I've done since I left school. I started off in bands when I left school before right. I became an actor, uh-huh. and I always kept the skills going. So, you know, I'd always ha- I'd always have the two. And thankfully, there's a you know there's there's companies like Pete who are doing actor musician shows, and it's just a great it's a great way to to work mm-hmm. to, to do both. Mm-hmm. So I really love it. Do you write your own songs? I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. a bit of a songwriter, yeah. yeah, I, yeah okay. I, do, I do acoustic shows and stuff like that, mm. and because um, there's an acoustic scene in Newcastle, so yeah, there's 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 a sample of some of my because I've got a website, PetePev.com, right, and um, and there's there's some songs there that I write. It's sort of more of a hobby, really, mm. but there's some you know there's some there's some decent stuff on there. Going to check I, it out. I, put, I only put the. I only put the good stuff on there. There's there's, there's lots of stuff that I wouldn't. Uh, and I'm in a band as well. Play bass in a band. Uh-huh. Always just back out of there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we just uh-huh. yeah, I just try to keep busy doing lots of different things. Yeah. Really. Obviously, there wasn't much happening during the pandemic. I was I was delivering parcels during the pandemic. But, then, <laughs> well, but you know, like so which, many, which again, <laughs> which got us by. It was uh-huh. it was fine. But uh-huh. uh, hopefully, oh, are you still there? But yeah, yeah, I am, yeah. yes, yes. Sorry. No, and and also, um, you sing and play in the show. I know that was a real big surprise because <laughs> I just did because once I spotted how much Bobby was on, I thought, well, I'm not going to get a chance to do that this time. But mm. yeah, but uh, Ben, Ben Goddard gave me a song to sing, which is really nice, and yeah. uh, and, and some guitar work to do. So, in fact, I'm going to that song's now going in my club set when I go back up north. Great. I've already downloaded the backing track for it. So um so right. that's going on my set. That's good. Very it's a good. lovely song. <laughs> it's a yellow, isn't it? Yeah, it's an ALO tune, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the songs are amazing in the show, you know. Mm. Some of the vocal perform I stand backstage listening to some of the vocal performances and they're they're amazing, you know. Mm. So mm. so it's like a gig as well as a theatre performance, isn't it? Really? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. It's a good way of describing it, in fact, a perfect way. Yeah. Right, last question, Pete, because I know you've got to go. Get ready, get that wig on. Yeah. Um, get the wig on, yeah. Get the bobby on. Um, yeah. Ready? What's your favourite moment of Never Lost at Home? Oh, it's quite hard because we're quite early. I do like, there's a speech I gave it in this. I don't want to give too much away, but there's a speech. When the team went to St. Etienne before the semi finals, mm-hmm. the, the night before, then the night before they um they enjoyed themselves a little too much yeah and there's a sp- and there's a speech bobby gives to them mm-hmm. and that's i'm loving doing that because it's quite a slow burn because the audience slowly they're slowly cutting on to what what's going on and there's a really lovely feeling of recognition mm-hmm. and uh so i'm really enjoying that speech at the minute but again as i said i'm, I'm just loving listening to the, to the music backstage and mm-hmm. um so yeah, so that's a particular speech I'm enjoying at the minute. So, but um, but all of it at the minute, just because it's fresh. Yeah, you just love all of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Pete. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you, and good no, luck. It's a, it's a <laughs> absolute good. pleasure, you know. Well, thank you, and good luck with the rest of the show. Great stuff. Thanks very much. Thank, thank you. you. Introducing Olivia Foster Brown, who plays Ange in Never Lost at Home. A big welcome, Olivia. Nice to have you on the show. 
Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, it's a pleasure. It's a real pleasure, actually, to, to talk to you. We saw the show on Saturday afternoon. What oh, a sh- Yes, we watched it on live stream. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Congratulations. You play Ange so beautifully. Um, thank you. Honestly, you know, you came across so well. She, you made her so strong. She's funny. She's, she's just such a, a, an important part of the show. Um, tell us a bit more about her and how you um, got to play her. I would agree in like the way that you've described Ange. I think she's a very strong character. She's very funny. She's very witty. Mm. Um, and I also think she's quite layered. Like there's moments where she's quite smart. Like there's mo- like when Smudger comes in and she's sat reading a book, you know, that shows another level and another mm-hmm. side to her, um, which is quite fun actually, because I actually sit and read that book. I'm reading Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> it's something that I mean does it take a long time to get into a personality you know a a role like Ange when you when you get onto the stage because obviously this was this this is a person who existed as she is 40 years ago yeah I well I personally haven't found it that hard to get into the role of Ange because I think me and Ange are actually very similar um (laughs) when I first read the script Mm. I was like oh yeah I'd absolutely say that in this situation as well um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's quite fun to be able to play a character that's so close to who I who I feel I am as a person because and then it doesn't feel like acting I mean I'm just having fun on stage mm. so yeah it doesn't take me as long as if I was playing someone completely different to my natural like personality and character because I feel like I can kind of walk on the stage and me and Andrew kind of very similar we are as one no, it's fantastic. I mean, Ange, and, and we love your relationship with Spudge. I mean, obviously your husband and wife, but also yeah. on a, there's a real vibe between you two. It's it's really exciting to watch you both. That's great to hear you say that because we're just as close off stage as well. Um, me and Keanu, we did our final auditions together. Mm-hmm. So that's when we first met. And I'm guessing, you know, they must have seen that that chemistry between us in the audition room. But people have said to us, like, during rehearsals, oh, did you know each other beforehand? Or, like, were you good friends before? Like, no, mm. we literally met each other <laughs> from the beginning of rehearsals. But we just get on really, really well. Mm. It just comes across. You know, it's like you've been yeah. together for years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, we, really are, we do function like an old married couple. We don't call each other by each other's names. I call him husband and he calls me wife. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And and like you said, there are some funny moments with you guys. I mean, really, really very funny. About A little bit about you, Olivia. When did you first know you wanted to be an actor? It's quite cliche, really, but I've I've always known I wanted to be an actor from quite young. Actually, I I've always loved being on stage and performing in front of um, in front of people mm-hmm. since literally since I can remember. Um, I've been in like dance and performing arts, like Saturday schools and stuff, since I was about three years old. So mm. it's always kind of it's been quite easy for me in terms of knowing what I wanted to do because I've always known what I wanted to do and I've never really questioned it. Mm. And did you find that easy? You just naturally took to it, obviously through um, theatre groups and school, and then you went on to drama college, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It was it was quite not. I wouldn't say an easy route, but um, I never had the trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life because from young I was like, I want to be on the stage. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so that's, and so yeah, I did like drama groups and stuff and mm. a BTEC at college in performing arts. And then I did my degree at Bird College in South East London. Right. Okay. And, and since then, um, you've, I think, I think I read somewhere that you had a, ma- a major part. Was it last, last year or the year before? Sorry. Yeah. So I graduated Bird College in 2019 and then I joined the cast of Book of Mormon, the UK and European tour. That's it. Um, so I was, I was a swing and then I was first cover Nabalungi, who's the leading lady, mm-hmm. which was um, like an amazing opportunity. So, um, basically a swing just covers all the female roles in the show. So obviously if anyone ever went off sick, I'd be there standing by ready to go on and take their place. And quite nerve wracking, really, I would imagine if you're just thinking, oh, they are not going, you know, suddenly you have to step up. Do you have to sort of prepare yeah. literally every night before the show? Yeah. So we have what we call a swing Bible. So it's literally a notebook or like an iPad and it has, you know, you're basically your brain in it. Um, it has maps on each track and each character, what they do, where they go, what they say. Mm. And it's just a case of learning that and keeping on top of keeping on top of it, really. So you're ready at a moment's mm. notice. Mm. And then um, how did this how did you come around for auditioning for this show? So I got called in around June-ish time mm-hmm. um, and I went in for a singing call first um, with Ben and Pete and Honestly, I wasn't actually expecting much because it, I knew it was an actor muso show, mm. um, and I don't play I don't play any instruments, so I didn't think I had much of a shot. Because they did ask me in the room, they said, "Oh, do you play any instruments?" And I had to be obviously, you have to be honest at that point. Because I said, "No, like I I can <laughs> I can barely play piano, but I can give it a good go." <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think um, I mean obviously your singing is quite something. That closing number in the show. Olivia is absolutely wonderful. It's a lot of pressure to, because obviously Tina Turner. Yeah. It's a a big sing, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) It's a big sing. So it's a lot of pressure. So hopefully I'm trying to give it, you know, do it justice. Um, It's just about having fun with it really, isn't Mm. it? Yeah, no, you do it plenty of justice. Absolutely plenty. Yeah. And wearing those boots as well. I'm quite jealous of those. Yeah, (laughs) I do. I love those boots. I can't lie. I feel great in them. You should see me backstage. I'm strutting about like it's it's fashion week. (laughs) Can't blame you. Cannot blame you at all. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to let you go because I know we're getting near to to showtime again. I'm asking everybody this. What's your favourite moment? all the time or so um, far of never lost at home it would have to be between still haven't found what i'm looking for which is the final of the uefa cup because mm-hmm. obviously we we're standing we can see the audience um and you can just see the emotions on everyone's faces and it can get quite emotional mm. um and it's just, just quite quite a profound moment or when i'm singing to whichever footballer is on stage with me and the the confetti cannons blow that's just a great moment as well <laughs> if i don't get confetti in my mouth <laughs> yeah that yes because there's quite yeah. a bit of it but honestly yeah we know we, you've got to go but we have loved talking to you thank you so much for thank giving you. us a little thank insight you for having me. no that's a pleasure it's giving us an insight into the wonderful character of Ange and of course into you yeah too. <laughs> thank, thank you thank very you. much bye never lost at home runs until Saturday the 9th of October. You can buy auditorium tickets or live stream tickets at woolseytheatre.co.uk.
Thanks for listening to the Suffolk Pod Show. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can visit our website, podtalk.co.uk. And here's our disclaimer The Suffolk Pod Show will not be held responsible for any omissions or errors in its podcast. The Suffolk Pod Show is produced purely for entertainment purposes. Views and opinions are that of our own or that of our guests. 